to the Cross Mind Podcast with Carlos Smith. And today I'm downtown Greenville with two special guests today. These ladies have many accolades. Um, author, teacher, inspirational speaker, and also entrepreneur. And today I'm sitting with Miss Teresa McKinstry and Shiana White. How are y'all? Good, thank you for having me. No problem. Thank y'all for um, sitting down with me. Uh, first thing I want to know is how did you ladies actually get together and meet? Uh, we met at Dillard's. At Dillard's. Yeah. In Haywood Mall. In Haywood Mall in Greenville, South Carolina. Okay. And uh, <laughs> Shiana, what, did you see anything in Teresha when you met her that was kind of similar to you? Yes, a lot. Um, I saw the sweetness inside of her. I saw uh, the motivation that she had towards mm-hmm. people. I felt the love that she had towards others. And that's one of the main characteristics that I love. You know, do as the other as you want done to yourself. And I saw that right. characteristic inside of her. Right. I want to talk about the books as well, but also some of the other ventures that you ladies have going on. What is um, BDL? BDL is actually is a divine talk, mm-hmm. table talk. It's beautiful. It stands for beautiful and divine ladies, where mm-hmm. we get together, we engage one another with divine conversations, and we all dig in and go through the Bible to learn how to get our life challenges that we deal with or face right. with on a daily basis. And also, divine talk studio and creative expression apparel. Can you talk about those? Sure. Ones? Um, Divine Talk Studio is actually going to launch from Divine Tabletop. Um, And Creative Expression is where we do logos. Um, We just partner up with um, Gallery Creation, uh, where Tyrese is actually the CEO of it. Um, She actually does the designs. And then uh, it's a t-shirt apparel, whereas we stamp t-shirts, different logos. We do book covers. We edit. We do multiple things, mugs, so on and so forth. Okay. Just do creative thinking. Right. So talk about the book a little bit uh, in the midst of it all. Okay. Um, it's, it's your book, but Shiana, how, how involved were you in her process? Of course, it's her story to tell, but how involved were you in the well, process? The process, I believe, God allowed me to motivate her to just mm-hmm. get it out there. It was already, like you said, it was already inside of her, but she had like stumbling blocks that was causing her not to just push it. So I believe God just put us together because yeah. of the characteristics and then just, just motivate her to push it. So how long did it take you to actually write the book? Well, the book was already in process. I just didn't know it was a book. That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And it only took me about six months. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times where I kind of stopped and I'm like, hey, I'm at this point. I don't know what I should do. And she was like, keep going. Don't go back and edit it. Just keep writing. And it kind of just flowed and I finished it within six months. It was, it was so much in it that I was reading. It kind of made me feel bad because um, you never know. Sometimes you take it for granted. It's like you almost, it's like somebody always has it a situation worse than yours. So writing this book, did, did you kind of find it as like a stress reliever for you? Well, for me, writing essentially is a stress reliever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a stress reliever, but it was also a major challenge as well to actually finish it um, because I had to tap into, um, I guess, past experiences and situations to actually get it out, if that makes sense. So yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it was it was kind of sad, but um, how... How old were you actually when your parents split up? Do you, do you remember? Um, I probably was about maybe five when they decided to go separate ways. Um, so it was in that stage, just trying to actually understand, you know, that mommy and daddy wasn't going to be together anymore. So it was right. probably about five. And it was kind of, I'm reading a book now by Coach Lavelle Mullen, and it's, and it's titled The Worst Times Are the Best Times. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of similar to your situation where his father was actually, 
Um, they had a rent party up in uh, in Boston, and his father came in and asked all the kids what they wanted, and he told them what they wanted, and then um, his father never came back, and he was just always waiting on him to come back. So for you, do you feel like your situation, your life would have been different had your father still been involved? Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, but I'm the type of person where I think everything happens for a reason, mm-hmm. so of course it would have been different, but... I'm glad it happened the way it happened because I wouldn't be where I'm at, where I am today. So right. I like that aspect. <laughs> do, you, do you think the splitting up may have caused her to drink? Because uh, you also mentioned that she actually had an abortion as well. Yeah, my mother. Yeah. Right. And you think that caused her to drink, or what was it? Well, I don't think the person itself caused it. Just probably uh, personal experiences, emotions, and feelings could cause someone to. Um, have a different outlet mm-hmm. as far as an expression of things. Um, so that could be, you know, what played as a part of that. And so, unfortunately, I was there to experience it, but it also helped her um, grow as a person and understand, um, you know, that things do happen. So sometimes people do have that come about. <laughs> you also mentioned uh, Celie was like your yeah. your friend that you <laughs> talked to yeah. and you didn't have anybody. Is, is she under that person, that go-to person for you now? Yeah, actually, um, my imaginary friend was Celie from the movie Color Purple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would talk to her, her um, and then I would get my emotions and feelings out. Um, so when I met Shionda and we became acquainted with one another, she also became not my Celie, but just kind of sort of a representation of that um, openness to where I can express myself and not be judged or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like very biased, but um, she never even took my side. When I speak to her, she doesn't even take my side. You know, she always gives me a general answer. Wow. Um, and it, I like it because it challenges me to actually think for myself. But that's actually something you need, though. You, you don't always want what they call a, a yes man who yeah. always tells you what, what you want to hear. You need people <laughs> in your corner that tells you what, what you need need to hear. Yeah. And um, let's go back to chapter three. You also said that uh, you watched Fix My Life by Young and you kind of, you finally figured out, um, it hit you that you were molested. Yeah. How, how did that affect you? Well, it affected me a lot um, because it kind of, in a sense, made me understand why I was at a point in my life where my emotions got the best of me um, because there were a lot of untrapped um feelings that I had inside that I couldn't actually manifest into why things happened the way they happened. And so when I tapped back into my past, um, I actually remembered that it was a situation that I wasn't comfortable in. Right. Um, and so now it's titled as, you know, molestation. So I actually um, encountered that, oh, wow, I actually experienced that. You know, mm-hmm. I feel what this person is saying on this TV show and I can relate to her. You know, why can I relate to her? Because I actually went through it. Did you ever, so you never told anybody right away when it happened, so you wanted to keep it? I I didn't tell anyone because at that time when I was a kid, you don't actually realize that it's happening. Mm -hmm. So you can't actually explain it or you can't wrap your mind around it. Um, So in order to actually understand it, you have to, I think, experience it. If that makes sense. Right. And, and nowadays you see the uh, the Me Too movement where yeah. women or some men or whatever is talking about how they, they're coming out saying how they were sexual harassed. And this question is for both of you. Why do you feel that people don't come out and say how they went with the situation that affected them? I think part of me personally, I believe it's um, 
hurt, um, guilt, and some people um, blame themselves for what happened. So they prefer keeping it until they get a clear understanding mm-hmm. of what like Tyree should went through. Yeah. After she got that clear understanding, like, you know, I was molested. But then she realized that there's other people out there that got molested as well. Well, so um, I believe it's the guilt part. When oftentimes when people go through things, they, they blame themselves, regardless if it's right or wrong. You know, if they're in the right or if they're in the wrong, they just automatically blame themselves. Right. So I believe it's just a guilt part. Do you feel like if you could go back now, would you speak out as soon as it happened, or you still think you think it would be different? I can't say if I would or wouldn't, um, just because of the age um, and the time that it happened. Because mm-hmm. you know, you can experience something and not know that it's um, a traumatizing experience until you actually re-encounter it in your mind. Mm-hmm. And you, you realize like, hey, I didn't like that. You know, like that was not comfortable. You know, I think I experienced that. So I think that's why a lot of women are now coming out because they're realizing like, hey, that actually happened to me too. So the me too part is coming out. Yes. So it's a relation. Do you think that um? Do you think your mother knew what was going on with you? No. <laughs> really? Because you know sometimes mothers they have a, a sense of what's going on, but I know you said you got to a point where you didn't even really want to keep going with your mom when she went to wherever you guys were going yeah. when she would drink. Um. So you you don't think she ever sensed anything that was probably not different with you. Um. Being that she had a lot going on as well. Sometimes we can overlook, you know, others around us if we're so caught up in our own experiences and dealing with life ourselves and we can't process how to deal with life. We tend to not intentionally um, see others in their situation. Um, But again, communication is key that I've learned in every aspect of life. so you just have to have that. I mean, not everyone will, will notice it, right. you know, because it's your family. So you're like, oh, they're safe, they're good, you know. But um, I just think that's just how it, how it was. You know, she didn't really know because you know, I'm her baby. So. Right. <laughs> Does that make it harder for both of you to trust people, even even though if it never happened to you or somebody you may know? Does it make it hard for you to trust men and people in general when something like that happens? At first, it was hard um, to trust people and others because you, um, you're very vulnerable because I'm an emotional person and I love people. So you kind of want to make sure you're trusting the right people. Right. But then you have to understand that trust is you in general. So um, you don't put trust in man, so to speak. Um, you just kind of just speak for yourself, and you know those people will come. Shanna, when, when you when you hear her story, what what kind of advice do you tell? Because it's it's dark, and the things that she went through, it's, it's tough. So what what do you tell her? I tell her the first thing we spoke about was forgiveness, because the Bible told us if we don't forgive those who trespass our heavenly father mm-hmm. wouldn't forgive us for our trespasses. So the first thing I told her is just forgive. Yeah. And then once you forgive, then you'll be able to, that trust factor would start coming in. But what goes with the trust and forgiving is love. Yeah. So the same way how God gave his only begotten son, you know, for us, I mean, you know, it's basically what you always hear people say, what would Jesus do? So basically we just, I just, um, allow God to speak through me for her to just tell her to forgive. That's the main factor because we all have sinned and fallen short. 
So the first step was mm-hmm. for her to forgive her parents and speak about it. Yeah. Right. Did you ever tell your father? Does he know? No. This? So he still doesn't know to this day? No, he knows now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Since the book has been published, um, they know now because I'm able to be confident in myself to let them know like, hey, although you guys are going through this, that, and the third, I experienced this and it's not your fault. Right. So this is the true essence of forgiveness because I'm able to forgive you because now I know it wasn't intentional. Because right. a child doesn't know that the parents are experiencing life themselves, so they tend to kind of blame them mm-hmm. because they feel like they're perfect. You know, we feel like mommy and daddy is perfect and that they're supposed to always be there, but we are all human right. and we're not perfect. And so I went in with that aspect um, after learning what true forgiveness was, and that's kind of what the, the book is based on, true forgiveness. Forgiveness is not always being forgiven, but it's forgiving others. So a lot of people tend to just oh, well, I don't forgive them, they don't forgive me, but if you forgive them first, then you've already got that off your chest. You forgave. Do you do you think they forgave? I, I'm, I'm assuming maybe you told them who it was. Do you think they forgave the person who did those things too? Well, I didn't tell them who it was um, because, again, I don't want to place the situation or the outcome on person. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of look at it from experience, so to speak, because um, everyone has a genuine heart. Mm-hmm. And some people may not know, you know, putting themselves in a certain situation that they're even doing to the, the next person. For example, if a person is like, um, if a person is a liar, they don't know they're lying until a lie is called a lie. If that makes sense. No, they know. It's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. Yeah, lie is a lie. Yeah. It's a, it's no, a it's lie. a lie, but they don't know. I don't know if they know that they're constantly lying because it's become Oh, there's some people I think they know they're they're habitual liars. Some people who who wake up and just tell lies for for no reason. Yeah, yeah, it is. I didn't tell, you know, who the person was because it was just me getting the conversation started, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of times we don't start the conversation. Um, So I think that contributes with the Me Too movement actually getting to where it is now because people are starting to have the conversation. Um, And although it happened, it could happen thousands of years ago, it still is an experience that happened to that person. So whether they talk about it today or tomorrow, the conversation that starts actually probably triggers to them the true first step in forgiveness. But just build, just holding that in for so long. How how is that? Because I know it's. Um. Well, you know, you try to put it in the back of your mind. You know, you try not to think about it. But again, it it, it comes out in emotions and fears and uncertainty. And so, being that I was uncertain about things, I was kind of angry about things. I kind of wondered what caused it, what triggered it. And she under helped me to realize that, hey, maybe there was something that you experienced that causes you to feel this way this day and age. So let's go back to the root, figure it out so we can get you get you to where you need to be in your present and future. Right. Chapter six, you uh, mentioned your fiance and you said that uh, you had to pray with him. You had to stop and pray with him because of your situation. How much of an impact did he have on your book as well? Well, he kind of just let me flow which is what I liked about it. Um, he just kind of let me have my space to kind of get my thoughts together and, and you know, to write the book. And I would tell him there's going to be times where I'm going to feel distant from you, but I'm not. It's just me getting my mind at peace with what happened, um, trying to grasp it, and then move on from it. Could he feel the, the um, tension 
or does he when like because I'm assuming you guys engaged now that he's met your family. Do you think he felt any kind of tension or anything that did he know anything was wrong? He probably didn't know. No, because mm-hmm. I don't I don't I didn't wear it on my sleeve. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that I was like, you know, walking around like, hey, this happened to me, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was just kind of like, oh, wow. Like, wow, I think that happened. You know, mm-hmm. so um, it wasn't that he knew about it or that he, you know, felt some type of way about family and friends because he has a genuine heart as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels to me like you had to kind of mature quickly because you always said when growing up that you kind of tried to look out after your mother and make sure she was OK when she was drinking and your grandmother. Even when you traveled with your aunt and cousins, you make sure they had something to eat and were sleeping. Um, why do you why do you feel like that was so you had to just grow up that quickly. Well, because it was already instilled in me. My mom taught me at an early age mm-hmm. to be responsible. She taught me to cook. She taught me to iron my clothes. She taught me to look for others, look after others, put myself second and put others first. You know, my mom was great at doing that. And even though she was a single mom after my parents divorced, um, she was my, my foundation. She was, you know, that go-to woman that I learned a lot from. So I kind of just took that in and, you know, passed it on to people I came in a relationship with, even if you were just a stranger on the street. Right. Do <laughs> so, yeah. both of you feel like, of course, like women just have to just, just naturally just mature quicker because of the things that you, you have to go through? I would say they need to. Right. Because of the experiences. What purpose do, um, I know you said you started missing your family after you graduated. Yeah. Do you, what purpose do you feel college served in, in your life? Ooh, college actually helped me to be on my own. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. different. Um, it helped me grow up as, as an adult as far as responsible. Although I was responsible, my grandmother and my mom and my family, they taught me to be very responsible. But it was kind of like, wow, like, you know how you think you can make a decision, but you, you ask for a second opinion. Mm-hmm. In college, I didn't have a second opinion, so it was kind of like trusting myself, uh, which was a big step, but I'm glad I took it. Now, where were you from again? Were you I'm down? from Winsboro, South Carolina. <laughs> Winsboro, I'm not too familiar with that. So is that down by the lower state? Um, it's kind of in the middle between middle. Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, I would say Greenville, South Carolina. Right. It's in between, in the Midlands. Okay, because um, yeah, I was saying it, it, it's, it was different for me as well because college was like a different experience. You know, you don't have your parents with you anymore to tell you to wake up and, yeah. and go to class. It was like for me, it was like I'm just my own man now. And yeah. It was just it was I was there for a rude awakening as well. And then you say you you would hate to go back home after college after the, you know after school let out because of um different things that were going on. Is it still that way for you now? No, no. And I think the reason I didn't like going back home was because I kind of, in a sense, wanted them to experience life I had experienced outside of my town. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, in a sense, me putting my will onto them, not knowingly, but also um, hoping and wishing the better for them as well. Right. And and then you say you lost your home and and your brother was was mentally ill. Was that what made you feel like you want to just give up? Well, it was tough, you know, being that those were my go-to people mm-hmm. at home. And being that now they have things that they're dealing with. Um, it was like, wow, I can't put my stresses and my um, experiences on them because they're dealing with something, too. 
Um, so it kind of felt like I was alone and that I didn't have anyone to talk to. Um, and I didn't have a mentor at the time who wasn't family. Um, so it was very challenging at that point. And so, um, unfortunately, yeah, those thoughts did come about, you know, because I was immature and learning. And, and I got to be honest, um, when I know we, we knew we didn't know each other. We didn't all, we didn't hang out like that, but we spoke or whatever. And I never got that feeling that you were just going through all the stuff. But you were always cool. You were speaking, and just to know like all this stuff was going on. That's why I'm. That's why I always tell people, you know, it's I'm all about respect and treat because because you never know what somebody's going through. Like even even when we were in the cab talking to Mr. Randy who had a stroke and Chef and and Miss Helen. Like I would always speak to them because. You never know what somebody's going through. And it could be that one thing that could just set them off or just speaking to them could, you know, make make their day. But Shiana, what 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 do you tell somebody um after you know knowing that they tried to kill them? What 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 would you what did you say to them? Um, I believe when someone is thinking about committing suicide, it's more of a mental thing that's going on. So because who I am, the first thing I would mm -hmm. let them know is that they need to seek God in everything that they do and trust in the love that God gives to them. Um, like I said, it's like this because I've known people who attempt to commit suicide and just show them, show them love because at the end of the day, it's a mental thing that goes on with someone who's attempting to commit suicide. <laughs> You said something interesting. You were saying that your brother was kind of in a similar situation where he tried to take his own life. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, well, we were talking to uh, my brother. He attempted to commit suicide. Um, he got shot like nine times and was left to die. Um, and what's, what happened was a cop um, was riding by and he was like literally halfway dead um, when, it, when he got shot. And mm -hmm by him being shot and not really knowing, like, you know, he was telling me how he said, Lord, please don't let me die like this, like a heathen and so on and so forth. So as the years went by, he literally, like, he couldn't take it anymore because the bullet's still in his body and so on mm. and so forth. And so, like I said earlier, it's a mental thing. It's like things that have take place in people's lives that they can't overcome it. And if they don't get into the word of God, then they will try to attempt to commit suicide, and that's what he did. He slit, he slit his wrist, and my husband and I, I mean, he was literally bleeding, and thank God that he um, missed the main robbery. And so, yeah, so he tempted, and now, as he um, accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he he's learning how to deal with his mental battles with with the, you know. Does, does, so would you say you're his go-to person to to talk Honestly, to or? and I can't say it's me, but yes, God allowed me to be a lot of people go to. Right. Yeah. Yes, and I love it. I mean, you know, when it's finally time, yes, we speak often, and he does have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes. So, so my next question will be, you know, but you having to hear everybody's story and listen to what other people go go through. Who who do you talk to when when you need some advice or when you want to hit uh, just get a word of encouragement? Good question. And I want to sound at first speak to the Lord, and then God allowed me to have a mentor um, that I, I go to. I have two mentors. I have an older one and I have a younger one. 
you know, because they see two different aspects. So, and I speak to my husband a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. And sometimes I speak out loud and I just pertain to the word of God to help quote the things of the Lord. Do you feel like Shionda helped save your life? Yes. Yeah. She actually opened my eyes to life, if that makes sense. Um, just understanding it, understanding that nobody's life is perfect, and just kind of trying to grasp that, hey, you're here now, but this is where you can be. And these are the steps that you have to take and that you can take if you're willing to take it, meaning accept uh, God into your life um, to actually get to that point. I think, let me, just to make sure, you uh, was it, you mentioned her in the book, right? Was that her when you were saying you were getting ready to drive and things got blurry and, and she was down in Charleston at the time? And you, y'all met at Dillard's? Um, no, that was actually a friend. Okay. Um, like I said, you know how you have a go-to person that's your friend or a family member, mm-hmm. um, but not realizing that they too have life going on, um, you, you kind of tend to like, okay, well, I can't put my burdens on them, so who's next? Who's right. my go-to person? And I believe the Spirit of the Lord led me to her and my contacts because I hadn't talked to her in two years. Right. So there wasn't no connection at all. Um, it was just like I said, a random stroll, and I saw her name, and he allowed me to call her at that time, and I said, hey, I need you to, um, well, I didn't even ask her where she was, I just said, I need you to come to me right now, and she was like, do you want me to call you? I was like, no, I actually need a hug in person, I need you in person, and luckily, uh, she was where she was spiritually to notice or see just by my voice, that I really, really needed her. Uh, so we met and we talked about a lot. We talked for about two to three hours, I think. Um, and I asked her at that time, I said, hey, um, would you be my mentor? And she said, well, I'll get back to you on that because I have, <laughs> to, ask God, I have to ask God you know, if he wants me to mentor you because I don't want to put my will onto you. Um, and so it's like, okay. You know, and I kid you not, about maybe an hour later or two hours later, she, she called back and said, yeah, he, he told me I can mentor you. <laughs> it's amazing to hear because you know, when I sit down and talk to people, I would tell you when I sat with Ben Hall, one of his quotes was the universe moved people, places, and things yeah. in, your, in your favor. So just to see how everything lined up yeah. for you to actually sit down and be able to be her mentor, that was that was. That, that's, that's amazing, man. It's just it's just ironic to hear all of these different stories and how some of the things is like a consistent pattern of, of all of this. So do you, do, you, do you have something like a program? Have you ever considered having a program where you mentor other, other yes, people? I have thought about it. I mean, I know there's a lot of steps to go to. At this time, God has allowed me to mentor five young ladies in time. Risha is one of them. But yeah, I... I went to, um, I was a guest speaker at one of the high schools in Charleston, and five more girls came out. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, yes, I have thought about it, and I know there's um, a lot of steps to go. And I'm praying, asking God that someone will come and help me, you know, show me the way. But yes, I have thought it. But, and that's why I ask who, who do you go to and why this, this got to be important because, you know, when everybody has a different personality and everybody has a different situation going on. And, and the, when they come to you and tell you what they're going on, is that how, how does that make you feel? When you does it make you feel good about your situation? Well, or? I'll be honest with you. It's how you said. All right, this is how I like to me. Like majority of the young ladies, young adults um, that comes to me, 
basically, I went through what they went through. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to use the word of God and to help coach them in the right direction. And yes, I'm very spiritual. That's you will take it. Right. I really love God. I love, you know, because of my past. And I'm telling you, just about every young lady that I speak to, they either went through something that I went through. So, mm-hmm. so I do. And it's not me getting the glory. I just thank God for trusting me to be able to coach them in a way that, they, you know, coach and mentor them in a way they need to be. Absolutely. Um, back to the book a little bit. You said you sat down and you talked with your parents. What is your relationship now with them? Oh, man. It's like they're my go-to again, you know? <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. It's like I knew you guys were always my go-to, but let me inform you that this happened because you probably don't know. Um, but don't think it's your fault because I'm coming to you to let you know. So I'm coming to tell you I forgive you for not knowing this happened because you didn't know how to be a perfect parent. And in my eyes, I shouldn't have held you to that standard of perfection. Um, so this is where we are now, you know? How old were you when, when you finally spoke to your father? Did you say you were young when he, when he was gone and then yeah. he, when you finally talked to him? How old were you? Do you remember how old? Oh, wow, this was about two years ago. Really? Yeah, yeah, everything, everything happened about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the tapping into the past, mm-hmm. um, understanding it happening and forgiving. Um, even the book was wrote two years ago. So it was, it was, it's been a fast process. The, the moment I said I wanted to change my life and I actually believed I could change my life with the word of God, um, it happened that fast. So it, it doesn't take a long time for your life to change to turn around. Um, it just really takes you believing that it can, actually acting on it, and it, it will manifest itself. Did you remember what he looked like when you finally saw him again? Or well, how was not, it? It's not that I didn't see him, you know, uh, between those years, because um, we kept contact. It just wasn't everyday type of thing. So I, I saw my father, but it just wasn't like in the same household like it was when I was young. Oh, cool. um, so when I saw him, of course, you know, he calls me his little lamb. Um, he was coming from a, a, a fatherly um, aspect, but I had to warn him, like, hey, Pop, uh, I know you think I'm coming to just see you, but I'm actually coming to express and tell you about some things that I've experienced in my life um, because you may not know this happened. And so the conversation got a little serious, but I could actually see the hurt in his eyes because he had no idea it happened. And my mom, she had no idea it happened either, so. Wow. Yeah. So that, that's amazing. Um, how how has you know, both you ladies can touch on it? Um, how has motherhood changed? Ooh. Well, um, motherhood has helped me evolve, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, I think as just an adult, we kind of go in a one eighty direction, but when you become a parent, you kind of have a three sixty look at life um, because now you're in that circle of life you know you reproduce you have another person looking up to you but you also still look up to someone else who looks up to someone else and it goes on and so forth so uh, motherhood has helped me evolve as a woman good answer yeah. <laughs> All right. and, it's, and, and just speaking on this uh, just being a parent you know I, I have two and I have another one on the way it's, to me it's still like a, a learning process like yeah. every, every day I'm learning and learning to have patience, yeah. Because I'm te- I, I'm tested all all the time, but it's it's just amazing. Um, you know, kids don't ask to be brought into this world, so it's like you have to 
for me, just man up, you know, take care of responsibility. So just being a parent, parenthood is just different altogether because it's not about you anymore. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people need to, to realize that it's, it's not about you. It's about being in a child's life. Yeah. And it's, so it's just and it's, it makes me feel thankful that I had both of my parents in my life because just hearing your story, mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I feel like they were hard on me. But it's like <laughs> you just have to remember that yeah. somebody else's situation is totally different. Some people don't may have one parent. Some people may not have either one of their parents in their life. So it's. It's, it's just a tough situation to be in. But um, something that was tough on, we're almost done. I know you ladies are maybe tired of some of these questions. <laughs> but um, talk about, um, Shiana, you posted something the other day about surrounding yourself I with. Yes, yeah, you shared a post, and I, I like that you said surround yourself with assets and not liabilities. Oh my gosh, that is so. I can go everywhere with that, but let's see what we talk about at Divine Table Talk. I always address to them, you know, positive will always override negative. Mm -hmm. So you, who you be around, it eventually gonna become them. Mm -hmm. So if you hang around assets, people who's going are already where you wanna go, you need to be around them to learn and, you know, allow them to motivate. If you hang around people like my daughter, um, I took offense by it, but she said something to me. She said, Mom, but uh, Michelle Obama hang around drunks, and I was like, no, crackheads. And I was like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so she was like, I don't hang around ugly people. But she was taking in what I talked, what was taught to her, like positive always override negative. Mm -hmm. And so I said, no, you have to explain something because now you're kind of sort of sounding conceited. Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, listen, where, where she want to go, she hang around people who's already there. Right. So why would I, when that means someone is ugly from the inside out. So, yes, yeah, so around yourself around people who is going, because the asset, you own it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A liability is basically you still paying on it. You really don't own it. Exactly. So hang around folks that's going where you want to go. Have, have you found yourself where you had to cut certain people off in your life? Well, it's amazing because <laughs> I didn't have to personally do it. Um, the universe works in a, a way to where it's God allows those people to, um, I would say they're on a different path, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So being on the path that I'm going, um, he just kind of warned me like, hey, you know, these people may not go where you're going and it's okay um, because, you know, I'm doing this for you and, you know, just trust me, you know. And everything's gonna work out. Mm -hmm. And one of the things also with my other interview with Ben is so so many things that he was saying was so true. He said that you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Exactly. And it's and it's so true because he was saying the people that you hang around, you sometimes you're a product of your environment. Mm -hmm. And so it's always to be careful around who you hang around. Um, for me, honestly, I I basically still with a few people from college, I, I still hang with the same people that I I grew up with. I mean, all my friends that have children, my brother, they 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 still in their children's lives. They work and take care of their family. So it's, it's it's so true that you show me your friends and and I'll show you your future. Um, something else, real quick. Um, do you feel the timing was right writing this book? Because of course you're still young. You still have a lot of learning and growing to do. Of course, but do you feel like the timing was yeah. right? And I'll tell you a couple reasons why, because her daughter actually said something. She said, wisdom has no age. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that because 
although I wrote the book now and I'm 26, someone could be experiencing that same thing I wrote when I was, well, I experienced when I was five at age 26. Mm -hmm. um, so being that I wrote it when I wrote it, I could have saved someone from not experiencing um, the, I guess the outcome um, being that I just put it out. Right. That and, makes sense. and honestly, I've, I've actually thought about writing, well, which I think I am, I am going to write a book eventually. <laughs> yeah. But what, that was one of the things for me because I, I felt like, you know, maybe I'm not ready to, I feel like my story is still being written right now. Mm -hmm. But when I when I talk to people and I tell them what I'm doing and, and the things that I've done and I've written in the past, I'm like, wow, I, I've really come a long way from, from where I started to where I am now. And, my work experience and the things that I've done, I, I feel like, man, I've come a long way, but I'm kind of hesitant because I just want to feel like I'm, you know, still, I'm still writing my story right now, but I, I just feel like it is kind of like therapeutic to to write and let people know your story because there's so many people that, like you said, they relate to what yeah, you've gone through. All and, life, all generations. And I think a lot of people, uh, when they write, sometimes, a lot of people, when they write, they write the beginning and the end. They don't write about the process. Right. Um, so when you explain the process and you're actually in the process, it's, it's real. It's not fake. It's not, you know, artificial. They can actually relate like, wow, I know her and she's in the process of doing this. Right. So let me stop what I'm doing here or let me try to, you know, you know, look at it and say, well, I can do it too. You know, so I don't think it's a, it's a, a point to where you have to be in life to just say, I'm going to write a book and you get there um, because you may not get there because that book could actually get you there, if that makes sense. That's, that's true. And it, it was something else when you're saying about the process, like a lot of people want to skip the process. Like, yeah. they, they only see the outcome, but you, you have no idea what somebody went through to get to where they are. And, and that's kind of how I was at Upstate. You know, that's when I saw Stephen A and Skip Bellis and those guys on TV talking, I'm like, well, I, I want to kind of do something similar to what they're doing, but I didn't know the, the grind and the work yeah. that they put in to actually get there. And now going through my process of, of the stuff that I've been doing, it's like, man, you have no idea of what it takes to get there. So it's so important for people to realize that you didn't just end up where you are now, just out of nowhere, you actually put work into it and things happen. Some things that you didn't really want, you didn't want to happen is unfortunate, but it, it happened and it just got you with where you are now. What's next for you ladies? What are your future goals? Oh, that's a lot. Oh my well, God. I know people like to say the sky is the limit, mm -hmm. um, but I believe that's putting the cap on it. Um, so I like the, the quote, um, I think it's, um, possibilities are endless. I think that's a quote out. If not, I mean, just, you know. Go ahead, girl. Because I don't want to visualize myself at a, at a point in life because that'll be a stopping point. Right. Um, so I like to visualize myself doing multiple things, um, whether it's writing a book, whether it's speaking to different people, different generations, different colors, different races, different nations, mm -hmm. um, whether it's uh, photography, graphic design, owning a company, uh, a fashion line. I, I just believe if I display love, you know, because I've learned the process, mm -hmm. things will just fall into place. Because um, you have to love what you do. Absolutely. Um, that's the core no matter what. Like I could tomorrow go work in a bank and hope and wish I could be the next Bill Gates. But if I don't love that, then that's not where I need to be. Right. You can't put a price tag on what you love. You can't put a price tag on what you love.
So Shiana, what's, what would you say is your religion? Go. Ooh, um, basically, the Divine Talk Studio. Um, we're working on um, ordering a coat now. Um, so it's not so much of a stage play, but just to bring real life, like that's what my books are about, bringing real life issues, life challenges together. So I believe, like she said, it's sky the limit, and there's a lot that is going to be coming forth from Divine Talk. But my main focus right now is the Barnum Talk Studio. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. Before we get out of here, can you tell the people where to find you and your books, social media and everything? Oh, well, you can actually find us at Beautiful and Divine Ladies on Facebook.com. Um, we're on Instagram. You can just type in Beautiful and Divine Ladies as well. Um, personally, we have LinkedIn accounts. If you're a business person, you can find us on there as well. Uh, but those sites will always generate back to Beautiful and Divine Ladies. So just and kind of Google that. On, um, Amazon. And the books are on Amazon.com as well. Um, just type in the titles and our names and they will come up. All right. There you have it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Till next time, keep chasing your dreams and stay blessed. This is Cross the Line Podcast. Thank you for tuning in.